Welcome back to the Fastest Known Podcast. I'm your host, Buzz Burrell. No, I'm not. Uh, this is Craig Randall. I'm here with Sunny Struer, who is our first ever second time guest. Ah, I feel special. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> well, welcome, Sunny. Thank you. It's great Good to, to have back. you. Yeah. There's a lot to catch up with uh, with Sunny today. We've had you on the podcast before, as I said, back in, I think, September. We published the episode, I think, January, but you were one of our very first guests. You said a lot of really interesting things in that first episode, and everyone can go back and, and re-listen. I'll put the, the link to the first episode with Sunny in the description of this podcast. But you said a few really interesting things. I think most notably, you introduced a term that Buzz and I had never heard of before called the confidence gap. Mm-hmm. And that was in regard to um, women's general participation in FKTs. So let's start with confidence gap. When I think about confidence gap, it's uh, a concept that I think is pretty important in outdoor and adventure sports as in the general business world, to be honest. Um, It helps explain the reason why we don't see um, as much female participation in certain activities as you might expect just based on kind of anecdotally polling your friends or talking to both men and women about, you know, how interested they are in, um, yeah, pursuing, you know, bigger missions in the mountains and pursuing big careers in business and pursuing whatever it might be, like big hairy goals, right? Where um, a lot of the time we see uh, male dominance and a lack of participation from women. And the reason for that, I think, again, not just in FKTs, but generally in outdoor adventure sports, but also in the business world, is not so much that there is outright discrimination. Right? It's not that women are explicitly barred from having these opportunities. It's just that there is this um, subtle but uh, quite real notion that uh, we as women aren't as strong or as capable or as qualified to take on certain big goals. And that's not necessarily even other people telling us that we can't do it, but it's a, uh, a self-perceived um, you know, lack of yeah, just confidence and the faith that you know what we belong in all those same places and we have all those same abilities to go after big and exciting stuff um, as men do. So mm-hmm. I think that the confidence gap is um, a big reason for why you don't see a lot of women um, participating in FKTs, and particularly uh, you don't see them participating in really difficult remote mountain FKTs um, unsupported and or solo. Okay. So having said all that, is the gap shrinking at all since we spoke to you last year? It's not a lot of time that's gone by, but it is a year. Yeah, it's been a year. And, you know, I think a lot of things have changed in the the FKT world, which is fantastic to see. I do think that at a high level, closing the confidence gap is something that is a very slow process. And it's going to take years or even decades to make a meaningful dent in it. But anecdotally and in individual you know, pockets, it's amazing to see that there's already changes. Um, my friends, Sarah and Emma, who I hope you're gonna have on a future episode because yeah. they have a fascinating story, who just tackled the um, Wind River Range Traverse FKT, which uh, I think Andrew Skirka had, and I know Buzz put some time in on the route as well. Yeah. So it's a, it's a difficult 
big FKT. And uh, guess what? Like they went out there by themselves without having all that much experience, to be honest. And uh, they crushed Skirka's FKT. Um, that's only one example, but uh, you know, I do think that overall, um, yeah, we're seeing more and more forays of um, individuals out there who are pushing the limits, and that helps. Uh, that helps close that gap over time. Yeah, and um, like Sunny said, you can find um, the Wind River High Route. They just submitted their um, the FKT to our website, so you can go reference that and um, see what kind of work they did. So the second aspect that I introduced is the low-hanging fruit. Have any low-hanging fruit women's FKTs been broken or set since we talked about that with you last time? The one that I'm acutely aware of is uh, actually Sarah Aranda, the same Sarah of the uh, Wind River Ranger, um, okay. who did go after the Mesa Trail FKT, oh, and cool. I believe claimed it. Yes. Um, outside of that, it's hard for me to tell because I don't have a good purview of you know what all of the low hanging fruit FKTs are out there. Yeah. So I'm I'm not completely sure. I know that for me personally, you know I have set a number of FKTs that I would consider somewhat low hanging fruit. They require a lot of work, but they're from a you know speed perspective not all that hard and those have seen actually funnily enough they've seen attempts but they haven't seen success so both the Pfiffner Traverse that um, I had just completed the last time that we talked mm-hmm. and the Aconcagua 360 route where I was the first woman to go and and complete that route in a single push both of them had have had a woman attempting to go after the FKT and uh, both of those attempts um, were not completed. So maybe they're not that low hanging after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think we, uh, we noticed that you're quite modest in last, last yeah, episode. I don't know so. about that. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on maybe to what you've been doing. You've been traveling the globe and had some plans change, but maybe it was fortuitous. Tell us why. What happened was that I, well, I just got back from China. That's the story that you're referring to. Mm-hmm. I spent the last two and a half weeks roughly in China um, going after a big mountain FKT, which was very fun. The interesting part is that that was never the plan. Um, I was planning on going to China because I had been invited to compete in the Ultra Gobi, which is a sanctioned race. It's a 400 kilometer um, single push, you know, not a stage race, just a a 400 kilometer um, effort in the Gobi Desert. It's quite high up, but it's mostly flat. It's pretty runnable. And um, I think the cutoff for the race is something ridiculous, like 149 hours. Um, My plan was to be running continuously for anywhere between a hundred hours which is roughly the women's course record and maybe as fast as 70 hours which is the overall course record but unfortunately or fortunately given that you know 400 kilometers sound pretty painful to me (laughs) that ended up not happening Um, at the very last minute I got uh, notified together with all the other foreign participants in the race that the Chinese government had decided to close the entire region where the race was supposed to be to all foreign nationals. So the race literally had to uninvite about half of their competitors and say, sorry, you know, you're no longer doing this because you literally cannot access uh, the location where the race is. That, of course, was a bit of a bummer. um, But on the bright side, we ended up with Uh, amazing alternative plans. It just so happened that in a very short period of time um, I and um, some other people managed to turn plans around and go from 
you know, a canceled Ultra Gobi to a new plan, which was to pursue um, a fastest known time in the Chilean mountain range, which is also in, in Western China, a little bit, you know, farther east than where the Gobi was going to be. And so let's clarify really quickly, because we talked about this also before we hit record. The mountain range is called is pronounced Chilean, but we're not talking about Chile. We're talking about China still. That's exactly right. It's, it's it's spelled with a Q, so you know most Westerners look at it and think that it's called Killian, but actually the Chinese call it Chilean. Okay. Um, so the Chilean mountain range is where this FKT course um, is, and uh, I just learned about it literally within the 36 hours after the cancellation of the Gobi race. Um, because, you know, it seemed like that could be a fun alternative thing to do to kind of salvage the trip to China still, since, you know, I had plane tickets and everything, right? I had the time set aside and I had the training, I might as well do something. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, just pivoted and uh, went over to China despite the cancellation of the Ultra Gobi and went after the Trans-Chilean FKT instead, which is a 105-kilometer course through the mountains. Okay. So Trans-Chilean is actually a sanctioned race, as well. That is accurate. However, the Trans-Chilean race, which I think is now in its fifth year, had already happened for the year by the time that um, I realized that I was going to need something to do in China because I still wanted to go and get on a plane and actually go over there. So I uh, did not participate in the Trans-Chilean race. I did run the course of the race or something very close to it. There were minor modifications because of permitting issues and whatnot, but it's a course that, you know, like 95% overlaps with the race course. And uh, I just went after um, the independent FKT outside the race. Of course, you know, in China, FKTs are quite a new thing. So I think there's still some cultural confusion about what exactly constitutes an FKT yeah. because um, my Chinese contacts, you know, the, the local host who made all of this possible at the very last minute and who's actually the race director for Trans-Chilean, he was mm. saying, oh, um, you should come and run Trans-Chilean. There is no FKT on it. You know, you can like, you'll be able to do it fast, but anything you do, you know, you'll set a record. And I said, well, if there's a race on it and there's a winning time for the race, mm -hmm. then in order for me to set a legitimate FKT, I feel like I have to beat the race record because otherwise that's just weird yeah so yeah but anyway long story short i went over there it was not part of the race but it was on a sanctioned race course yeah i just wanted to make that clarification because it is actually a race you did the course on your own outside of the race and like you said to legitimize it for your purposes and ours you thought that uh going after a speed record on the course was a worthy way to establish an fkt yeah so the fact that it is a route basically that is established because it's part of a race, what kind of information did you have going into it? I'm sure it was actually, you had information, you didn't have to do a ton of scouting necessarily, but this is completely foreign land to you in general, so. Very foreign. Okay. Um, I did have some information and yes, it's part of a race. So there was a GPX track and there were a couple of photos that I could see from the race and I could, you know, rely on people telling me about the nature of the course because they had designed a race on it. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, so from a planning perspective, it was very easy for me. But the reality is I learned about the existence of the course, I think, on a Friday evening or Saturday. Um, my flights were leaving for China on Monday morning. And I, I mean, I didn't even really know where exactly in the country the course was, how to get there. Like, I mean, I, I knew nothing. I just blindly trusted the organizers 
um, to essentially have complete control of the situation. And I trusted the fact that if they said, this is going to be fun, this is a course that's cool for you to run, um, you know, I just went with that. I'd seen four photos of the course. I knew that it was about 100 kilometers long. I knew that it was at altitude. Um, it's at an average altitude of over 10,000 feet. Hmm. And yeah, that was the extent of it. I just kind of got on a plane and went to China and figured I was gonna figure it out. I did have support okay. uh, to my great surprise. Um, typically, you know, if you look at my records on the fastest known time website, most of the FKTs that I've pursued in the past are FKTs that I go after solo and typically either unsupported or self-supported because you know my reason for going into the mountain is solitude, adventure, exploration, discovery, right? So I like that whole element of being the one in charge, figuring out strategy, figuring out how to solve it and just being self-sufficient as much as I can. Mm -hmm. For Trans-Chilean, that wasn't really an option because um, it wasn't going to be either feasible or um, pragmatic for me to try and do all of my own research within 36 hours, particularly given that it's very difficult um, to look inside local particularities in China from, you know, from the outside, just online using, wanting to use Google and social media and all these things that are just yeah. blocked in China because yeah. of the Great Chinese Firewall, right? So yeah. it was going to be very difficult for me to do things without support, but also, um, you know, as I said, I had just kind of trusted uh, my local contact um, and he was saying this was going to be a great project. I, I left the entire organization of everything in his hands mm. and I expected that I was going to show up to him to meet me and to help guide me around the area and maybe a pacer or a driver or a translator or something right? Mm -hmm. maybe one other person maybe two mm. um, what ended up happening was that there was no translator unfortunately and my contact does not speak great English so that was difficult because yeah. um, communication was hard However, there wasn't a translator, but there were about 20 people in the end who showed up to rally around this FKT attempt and to support it, which to me was absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, yeah. just to see the enthusiasm and, you know, how excited everybody was about um, a Western runner coming over there and trying to break a record on their course, that was that was incredible. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I ended up having one or two pacers um, at all times during the FKT. Actually, at one point in the last 20 kilometers, I had as many as five or six pacers at the same time. You know, we had a big yeah. just posse going towards the finish line. You need to amazing. see the photos. They're pretty They're pretty cool. Yeah, and I mean, when, when yeah. you look at the photos, it doesn't yeah. look like an FKT. It looks like a race because yeah. they had brought out all of the paraphernalia from the race again. You know, they built like checkpoints and eight stations and they had a little, you know, like finishing band that I ran across <laughs> and they had this barbecue celebrate. I mean, yeah. It was everything, which is the complete opposite from all of my other FKTs. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it couldn't be much further from yeah. <laughs> what you typically do, yeah. but at the same time, really cool. Oh, it was such a great cultural experience. I mean, I it just blew my mind what I found over there. So listeners, if you uh, want to go after Sunny's FKT over on Trans-Chilean, uh, I don't know if they're going to roll out the same uh, treatment for you, but <laughs> but maybe you, you never know. You never know, and yeah. you know it is a beautiful course. It's really yeah. gorgeous, um, and you know the reality is that the Transchilean FKT might just be my most competitive FKT yet because you know there was a race course record on mm -hmm. it. Um, it's not a race with you know ten participants or a race in its first year. Um, it had had five editions, and it you know 
I think attracts about 50 competitors a year. And, um, you know, the men's record on it was, uh, I think, 25 hours and 20 odd minutes. Mm -hmm. And initially, I was really worried about at all being able to go and break that time. You know, I figured that there was a very realistic chance that everybody uh, who had showed up from the local community to go and, you know, help this record attempt was going to go home and just be like, oh, wow, yeah, that that chick really couldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but turns out I actually managed to break the men's record by uh, over four hours. Yeah, okay. I'm glad you mentioned that because we've been talking around it, but you did in the end yeah. break it by a pretty significant time. And we talk a lot about that between the differences of racing versus FKTs, what it means psychologically, what it means artistically. So I would have to imagine too, though, that one of the underlying factors of racing is that you've got built-in competition and it's motivating and so it is even more remarkable i think that you did this by yourself and we're still able to put you know four hours into a racer's best time you know i i had the same conversation with a friend um because rationally i see the argument for why race times would be faster Mm -hmm. you know because you have that competition and whatnot but the reality is for me i really don't get ultra competitive with others i get competitive internally and I get competitive for the goal that I've set for myself so for me it's enough to know that the time that I want to beat is 25 hours Mm -hmm. if I have somebody really strong like running in my immediate proximity I think it actually makes me more likely to think oh there's no way I can keep up with them you know just Mm -hmm. let them have it and like that doesn't fuel me it actually makes me disengage okay Uh, I kind of work in a weird way but um, at the same time you know looking at the support structure for the course um, in the FKT, which as I said was heavily supported, um, the local team created three aid stations for me one at kilometer 33, one at 60, and one at 80. Um, in the race, uh, from what I understand, there is 17 checkpoints wow. actually. So there's a checkpoint essentially every five kilometers, every three miles, right. three to four miles. Um, in my mind, that would slow you down and not speed you up. Right. Because, you know, it's so time consuming to go through aid stations. But if they're there, then, you know, why would you want to ignore them? Um, I think that it's almost easier to do it as an FKT than to try and go fast in a race, at least in a mountain course like that. Yeah, that actually, that draws some parallels too with, um, we published a story, well, an excerpt of a story from Christopher Tuscher, Mm -hmm. the eight (laughs) rim to rim crossings um, FKT (laughs) holder and inventor. And he advocates for doing FKTs by yourself and unsupported by yourself without any support, kind of for that same rationale where if you've got someone there to rely on or to be interacting with, sometimes it's more of a negative or it can slow you down. Whereas if you're out there by yourself charging. Yeah. And to me, it's just, you know, the purest nature. The reason that I like going after FKTs, as I mentioned earlier, is because it allows me to, you know, really be self-sufficient and to have to go after that both strategy and creativity element of planning it and executing it and just doing everything, you know, by myself. You know, I I really like being unsupported because I just feel like if you have a support crew there, it's essentially like you're you're just running your own mini race, mm-hmm. you know, with one participant or maybe with two or three participants if you have a team. Right? Mm-hmm. What, what's the difference once you have all of that crew in place? Um, I like 
just being one person and you know starting whenever I feel like starting and having to look entirely after myself. Well, I think that's a, a really good summary of, of Trans Chilean. <laughs> and like I said, everyone should look it up. It's a really interesting route. Look at the photos from Sunny's attempt. They're on our, um, our website on the root page. That's just been established courtesy of you. <laughs> and yeah, and take a look and see if uh, it'd be interesting to see how that, that route develops as, a, as an FKT and not just a race. Absolutely. Even and I can so. highly recommend the course. And I guess if you have the chance to go and participate in the race, um, it is difficult to get to, I won't lie, as in you have to fly to Beijing and then it's another day and a half or so of travel to actually get out there because you have to fly to a different city and then you have a three hour car ride on a highway and then you have another two hour jeep ride on like these really bad dirt roads. But once you've done all of that, all of a sudden you find yourself in this amazing mountain environment that looks like a mix somewhere between the Swiss Alps and the Colorado Rockies. It's wow. stupendously beautiful. And not just that, you know, where I was expecting this really basic infrastructure with like a tea house or something, there is a like four to five star resort wow. right at the start finish of the race, <laughs> yeah. which literally just opened up as we got there. You know, wow. we got to stay there. It was phenomenal. It was so beautiful. So yeah, if you have the chance to go, if you think you can make it happen, go find the race on Facebook, figure out the logistics and go over there. People will be checking into that um, for sure with that kind of endorsement. Now I'd like to segue a little bit. Buzz always likes to close his episodes by asking what's next. <laughs> and you have a, a what's next that's pretty interesting to a lot of our listeners. Can you talk about what you're... Uh, getting ready to prepare to do? Sure, so my what's next is very immediate. Um, I'm hoping that in about an hour and a half or so, I'll be on my way to Leadville because I have been working on uh, Nolan's 14 and I and two friends of mine, two women friends are planning on giving the women's FKT on the route a go within the next uh, about two weeks. It seems like some of your FKTs and training tend to overlap. So when you were preparing for Gobi, I know you were spending a lot of time in the 14ers. Yes. Were you also mentally starting to calculate and prepare for this Nolan's attempt back then? Oh yes, for okay. sure. The yeah. reality is I've been working on Nolan's uh, for a good chunk of the summer before I left for China. I, I was out there for a large portion of July and I was actually exclusively scouting Nolans and prepping for Nolans. And I figured that that was going to have to be good enough for my Ultra Gobi preparation because mm -hmm. I really, yeah, I would say that Nolans is my A goal mm -hmm. for the summer. And the Gobi, when I thought that that was going to be happening, was mostly a, an opportunity that was too good for me to say no to, even though I probably would have been a smart thing to do just looking at the schedule like the idea of trying to run a 400 kilometer race and then turn around and two weeks later try and do Nolan's just does not sound like a good idea yeah. but uh, yeah the reality is I was really designing my training much more towards Nolan's and much less towards the Ultra Gobi and uh, I figured you know I was just gonna see how it goes and make the best of it yeah. because I guess I tend to do that you know the last time we talked um, I did the Pfiffna Traverse and completed the speed record of that in late July, right before Outdoor Retailer, and less than seven days later, I ran the URA 100, um, which has 43,000 feet of ascent, and uh, I managed to win it. So I figured if I could pull off those two back to back, then maybe I could pull off the Gobi and Nolan's 14 back to back as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> All that is to say, though, is that you spent a lot of time at altitude. Yes. So absolutely. despite traveling across the globe, running down to Leadville, your van is parked out front, so I know you're still living in the van. Um, you know, you're all over the place, but 
the one constant through this sounds like you've been at pretty high altitude, which will obviously lend itself well to a Nolan's attempt. Yes, and that to me is one of the biggest strategic elements of how I prepare for these types of mountain FKTs, and it's also the reason I was able to do well in Trans-Chilean, because Chilean starts at 9,000 feet and goes up to 14.6. Um, so there's some really big, massive climbs in there, and I had spent, I think, 20 plus nights sleeping at uh, 9,000 feet or higher in mm -hmm. July yeah. because I've been acclimatizing for Nolans. And even on you know the short stints that I've had here in Colorado in between you know going from China to New York where I just spent the last couple of days and whatnot, I, I will literally take the van and I just drive up to Bakerville, you know, the Taurus and Grays exit. Mm -hmm. And even if I have a 6 a.m. flight, like I'm sleeping up at 9,000 feet because mm -hmm. I know that it makes a huge difference. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're, you're altitude training <laughs> anytime you get the chance. Yes, I yeah. sleep up high whenever I can. And then, yeah. you know, I've been on all those 14ers. I actually, on one of the scouting missions, I deliberately bivied on the top of Albert mm -hmm. because the weather was clear and you know everything was fine and you know the ability to sleep at fourteen thousand four hundred feet, even if it's just for a night, yeah. makes a difference. Right. Particularly if you can tie it into many more nights at you know moderate altitudes between nine and eleven thousand feet. Okay. The current women's FKT holder of Nolan's fourteen is, I believe, Megan Hicks. I think that's of Iron right. Far fame. I think that's right, yep. and I think it's right around fifty-six hours, mm -hmm. fifty-six and something maybe. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I haven't spent a lot of time looking into the strategic planning behind the FKT <laughs> or researching competition. Yeah, <laughs> I have spent a lot of time just looking at the route and yeah. you know getting to know it and being up high. But yeah, I mean, I think anybody who manages to complete Nolan's is incredibly strong. Um, I know that it is really, really hard and that there are many attempts each year and most of them fail, male or female. And I am fully expecting to get my butt handed to me. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, I think, like we've been saying, I think uh, you're very modest, and but you're also incredibly strong. So I think everyone should I'll be really excited to, to follow your progress and um, I'm sure the audience will be too. I'll well, see what happens. You know, I'll have live tracking and we'll get the links up on the website and everything. But yeah, this is going to be a project that is really big and really competitive and really hard and uh, definitely one where I'm fully embracing the possibility of failure. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if it's nice, but it's, it's real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Okay, so Nolan's is next. What is after Nolan's, if anything? I should mention too, in the last episode, you talked a lot about, and we know your husband is a really accomplished rock climber. Mm -hmm. You said that you were gonna focus more on, on climbing, and we have a lot of rock climbers in, the, in our uh, audience and listenership, so mm -hmm. curious about how that unfolded. I definitely climbed a fair amount yeah. uh, in between recording the last session and this one. Um, I can't say that I've fully focused on it. I mean, I've spent maybe two and a half months in Yosemite you know, over the last 12 months. So yeah, there's, there's a yeah. big portion of my life that revolves around climbing. But the reality is that from a competitive standpoint, um, climbing is not something where I'll ever go and break records or you know, do outstanding things. I do things that bring me great joy, but mm -hmm. they're, they're very much on the like high-level recreational realm and not so much in the professional grade. Um, for running, the next things that I'm looking at are 
couple of different things. One, I am actually really intrigued by the Rim to Rim to Rim alt. Mm -hmm. I think that is a very fun route mm -hmm. and a very fun concept. I know that there isn't a woman yet who's done it. So again, you know, speaking of low hanging yeah. fruit, uh, that would qualify in my mind. I was very close to jumping on it and just trying for it solo and unsupported back in, I think, March or April. But the reality was um, I haven't been to the river crossing. I am a strong swimmer and I'm comfortable with the water, but I really would want to be able to preview it before I commit to doing it as part of a solo and unsupported FKT. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't rally um, a partner or support to be down there at the river for me. And then, you know, the the water was just, I mean, the, the winter was really brutal, right? And I know that the Colorado and the Grand Canyon, of course, is regulated by the dam and not so much by, by snowmelt, but still, mm. it, it just felt a little bit too scary and dicey for me to just go and try an on-site. Um, but yeah. it's still on my radar. I really want to do it. Okay. And, um, you know, I, I, I hope to do it with a partner, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, outside of that, um, not so much running, but definitely long-distance endurance, um, I do really want to um, break the speed record to the South Pole. I think we talked about that yeah. last time, yep. which is, um, you know, definitely ultra-distance. It's going to be skiing rather than walking, of course. Um, and in order to prepare for that, I'm hoping to complete or attempt to complete the Iditarod uh, 1000. Um, at one point, though, uh, I may not be allowed into that since I don't have the necessary qualifications you have to finish the 350 the short distance before mm. you are allowed into the long distance so mm. who knows whether or not i can or convince the race organizers to go and let me in <laughs> well you're always doing inspiring things um i think the audience uh would love to follow you and see what you're doing next or currently where can they find you they can find me at uh, my website, which is www.sunnystrur.com. So just first name, last name.com. I know yeah. it's difficult to spell. Look it up in the show notes. <laughs> and equally, of course, on Facebook and uh, on Instagram, where my Instagram is sstrur, so first initial and last name. And I tend to be pretty active in real time on Instagram. Um, Facebook, not so much. And the website, you know, I, I write a blog, which I update pretty regularly. Yeah. And I think you wrote you wrote a, a blog post actually about Trans-Chilean. Yes, it did. As a matter so. of fact, there's a bunch of photos over there. Yep. And uh, I think we'll be posting some video and other things as well over time. So go check it out. Okay. Well, thanks, Sunny. We'll talk with you again soon and good luck <laughs> on Nolan's. Thank you, Craig. Really enjoyed it. All right.